Um, the baptismal is out. We will be doing a baptism at the end of service, so we're super excited about that. Um, we love to celebrate um, the profession of faith, um, and uh, we also like to get into the Word, so we're going to do both. Uh, to those of you who uh, are introverts and that thing we just did with greeting is your least favorite part of the service, I just want to say you did amazing. Um, and the rest of you, you did great too. <laughs> if we can all dial to the middle on that, that'd be great. No, just hard play. We're in the, in the Word of God. We're going to start at the very beginning, a very good place to start, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're in a series called Created for Connection, and we've been in it for a bit, tempted to like rehash everything we've talked about so far, and I will not. Um, you are technological whizzes. You can get online. You can listen to the messages that have gone before. They're all really good, uh, if I do say so myself. Um, but uh, the premise of the series Created for Connection is simply this, that you and I as human beings were made for God. We're made to know him, to walk with him, and to experience the goodness and fullness of life that comes from him alone. In fact, it is the only life we're made for, to know God. So created connection, we're created to connect to God. We're connected, created by him to connect with one another. We're not in that section yet. So, um, but I just want to frame our discussion with that simple truth, uh, to know God. And not just information in your head, but to know God in terms of friendship, walking with him. To know God is the most native thing to being a human being. Thank you. I say that again because you don't always think that thought. I guarantee you don't. We're more prone to think, well, the most human thing is to be weak, flawed, sinful, well, those things may be our experience, but the most native thing to the way you were created in God is to know him. That's what you're made for. So as we get into the word of God, would you pray with me? Lord, we ask as we open your word that it would be alive to every heart in this room. That you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would know God. That we would walk with you, Lord, uh, in, fellowship, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit every moment of every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I hope you're ready. If you have a Bible, get it out. Like I said, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start right at the end of that chapter and then we'll flick to chapter 3. But if you're not awake, this first part might scare you. But I'm not waiting for you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, this is picking up where we left off. Essentially, it says this. This is after the creation story. God made everything, animals, life, people, all of it. Uh, and then at the end of it, he made man in his image. He rested and it says this. Adam and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. How's that for a sermon opener? <laughs> so good morning. This is where we're starting. Uh, in, in the garden with God, mankind, human beings, naked and unashamed. Friends, this is a true story. It's not a fairy tale. So far from our, our human experience, right? But this is... The reflection of what the reality was in the way God created all things and created us for him and for one another. Now, the point isn't that they were naked. The point was they were fully connected, fully known, and there was no shame. There was nothing to hide. Can you imagine a world where there's nothing to hide? Nothing was hidden, being completely known, nothing to be self-conscious about. Can you imagine that? 
This, that, is the freedom of what God created us for. It's the freedom of the fullness of life where there's never a disconnection between us and God or us and one another. Where there's never anything that we need to hide, to be afraid of, to be ashamed of, to be self-conscious about, wondering what somebody thinks about us. Because when we're truly, fully connected to God, we live without shame. We live without fear. In a world filled with anxiety, maybe, just maybe, it's true that God's the answer we're looking for. Now, you're already, many of you who know the story, are already butt-butt-butting me in your head. Let's read it. How many of you like to read the Bible? How many of you love the Word of God? All right, I'm going to read a whole bunch of it, and maybe a story that's familiar to you, but dive in. If you have a Bible, look at it. If you have a device, look at it, but it's, it'll be up here as well. Turn the page, so to speak, Genesis chapter 3. What happens? We go from God's perfection, God's connection, God's perfect will on the planet to Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any... I'm reading a lot. Okay, I said that right. Just get ready. Don't, don't tune out on me. Read along. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman... Now, you know, in case you didn't know, that serpent, that's the devil. Okay. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Good job, Eve. Serpent says, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that through the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, stop. <coughs> There's so much to unpack here, and we're not gonna. Okay, just get alone, read this again, talk to Jesus about it. But I want to ask you some questions as you read the story, especially if you know this, this true story of our human history. Serpent comes to Eve, shows at, tries to question what God told her, tries to call into doubt God's goodness, God's provision, God's holding out on you. There's something you could have that you need. And he says, he knows that you'll become like God. Now, did Eve need to become like God? She already was right. She was already made in the image of God. She needed nothing. Devil deceived her. What the de was, was the devil, he really, really trying to offer her something good? Hmm, got quiet on that one. Was the devil trying to offer her something good? Absolutely not. There was nothing there they could not have that would bring true enlightenment to them. It was all a lie. It was all a deception. He was not there to bring her a gift. He wasn't there to bless her life. The serpent had the serpent, sorry, had one agenda to destroy her, to destroy us, to destroy mankind. So he spins a different story. He shows her the fruit, and suddenly, because she believed the lie of deception, it looked good. That was pleasing to the eye. It could be good for food, and I could become wise. Eve, you 
already are. When the devil comes, his, his goal, his vision for his life, the devil, it was the same then as it is today. His desire was to get her disconnected from the God who made her. To disconnect her from friendship and fellowship with God, which was everything that Adam and Eve were enjoying in the garden. No disconnection, naked, without shame, nothing to fear. Again, I had you imagine it, did you? Because that was heaven on earth. That's what it was. And he's trying to steal it from her by offering the one thing that will destroy her. When the devil comes to you to tempt you with sin, let me tell you something. He's not offering you something good. Sin, in all of its forms and facets, is not good. For a minute, the devil may pull the wool over your eyes and you think, well, that kind of looks good. Maybe I kind of want that. Maybe I kind of need that in my life. Maybe God's holding out on me all these rules and regulations. No. Every sin, every temptation to sin is the devil's agenda to destroy you and disconnect you from God who made you. You need to understand that way. The devil has nothing good to offer you. Sin has nothing good to offer you. What does sin offer you? Death, destruction. What happened? I'm ahead of myself. When Eve took that fruit and ate it, and Adam took it and ate it, what entered the world? It wasn't good. It wasn't life. It was death. It was destruction. It was disconnection from God and one another. Let's jump back in and finish this part of the story. Verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Oh, I'd love to meditate on that. Just save that one for later. They heard the footsteps of God in the garden. Okay, in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, see the heart of God, called to the man. They're hiding. He says, where are you? God's always looking for us, isn't he? And he answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Those things never existed in the garden before this moment. They were never thinking about their nakedness. They were never afraid, and they never had a reason to hide. Nothing like this had ever happened. They never needed to be afraid before God. And remember, God made the garden. It was his perfection. It was his will. God didn't change his mind. God still wants us connected, unashamed, without fear before him. So what was this, the nature of that garden? Because it is, is the Lord's will. It is his perfection. For, it is what he still wants for us. What was happening in the garden? Well, in the garden, which was God's perfection, right, and creation, there, there weren't rules, regulations. There was nothing written down. There was no code. There was simply a relationship of walking with God. They got to live in the presence of God in full awareness of God. At every moment of every day, they got to talk with God. They got to walk with him in the cool of the day. There was no shame, nothing hidden. In, in the garden, there was a relationship of love and trust. And this is the environment in which the garden existed and consisted in the, in the heart of God, in the plan of God, that the garden simply was a relationship 
an environment of a relationship, a love, and trust. It wasn't about following rules. It was about dwelling in friendship with God. It's about trusting the creator who was a good, good father. As it were, if there were a commandment, there was one, and it wasn't written, as it were, on tablets of stone. You could say maybe it was written on their heart. Just this one thing. Don't eat from that. You invite destruction into the world. Everything else, it's yours. Fullness of life, everything you need, everything you could possibly want, perfection, peace. It's, it's all here. It's here for yours for the taking. But I want you to see it that way. It was a command that was written on their heart. And to disregard that one request of life in the garden was to distrust the one who created. It was to not lean into the one who loved them. Because the nature of the garden was love freely given, love freely received. Love freely given, love freely received. It went in all directions. There was nothing hidden, nothing shame, nothing garden. There, nothing had to be nuanced or spun in the right way. Could you imagine? There was no certain way to get a prescribed reaction. Everything was honest, open, free, and clear. And so to disregard the request of the one who created you in perfection and dwelt with you in love was to distrust his love and create a breach in that loving relationship, right? That was missing the mark. That's what sin is. And that sin, that eating of the forbidden fruit was really a betrayal of trust. It was a a moment of, of Eve using her free will to say, you know, maybe God is holding out on me. Maybe God's not as good as he said. It's a, it's a lie that, that's permeated all of history since then. God's way isn't the best. He's just a taskmaster. He's just mean. He's just trying to restrict me with rules and keep me from all kinds of good things. Those are lies, 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 lies. You know that, right? From the pit of hell. The eating of that forbidden fruit broke relationship and trust where they had to hide and God had to come find them in fear. And sin then brought in deception, distress, destruction, and death. And sin still reaping those things in our world today, but God never gave up on us. Hope you know that part. But I want you to see this from the, the, the lens of the perfection of God's creation, what his heart and mind was, and when he created us, when he created that environment, when he placed us in there with just this loving bond between us. This is what he wanted forever, and that's where we came. But in the moment when the devil spun the lie and she bought the lie, sin entered, deception, trust, destruction came, and the curse then was soon following. And we, we read the curse that comes, and I'm not going to read it because you, you probably know. Once she sinned, then all the, these things came on the earth. There was going to be toil in your labor. There's going to be pain in childbirth. There's going to be strife between man, man and woman. These were all the curse that came from sin. I don't believe in, uh, when I read this that the heart of his God is now I have to spank you. It wasn't a punishment pronounced as much as it was a consequence. When they opened the door to sin. When they open the door to, I'm going to make my own choice, I'm going to break my trust relationship with God, the natural consequence is 
a breach in God's goodness being displayed on the earth and every evil fruit being born. Does this make sense? It wasn't God said, you've been bad, now I have to hurt you. It's now that you made this choice, you're going to reap the consequences of why I told you not to. Is this making sense? Because his heart is always love and relationship. His heart was to keep us with him. That's why he only had one request. Oh, man, God's such a meanie. Oh, man, God loves us so much. God cares about us so much. The one thing he has for you and me, my friends, is the fullness of life. That's it. That's all that's in his heart. He has never wanted to bring the whip down. He's never wanted to cut us off. We chose it. We chose it. We turned our back. Eve turned humanity's back and Adam with her on God in this moment. So I think you're with me, but let me pause another question before we, we move on. Do you think that in this moment then Eve, exercising her free will to do whatever she wanted, isn't that the cry of culture? Do what you want. Do you think Eve exercising her free will to do whatever she wanted made her feel free? Not at all. The lie, this was, did it give the life that the deceiver promised? You're going to be more like God. You're going to have wisdom. You're going to be empowered. It was exactly the opposite. She was then, and we have then, aside from Jesus, been put into bondage and brought into death. But I want to tell you, and I believe you believe this, but I want to say it today, God wants to restore us. Not just forgive, he wants to restore innocence in our hearts. And he wants to restore in us a childlike trust in the goodness of God our Father. He's still doing that work today. It wasn't like plan B. Well, hopefully we can patch it up and make it better. When God started the story, he never changed his mind. So when we put our faith in Jesus, you know, because I, I have to say that because even I wrestle at times. Well, it can never really be that good again. There's too much bridge under the water. I myself have experienced enough brokenness. I just don't believe. God believes that he could restore your innocence. God knows that he can give you childlike trust again. It's what we were made for. Our freedom to live in the fullness of God's life for us is found in the obedience of divine friendship, which is the title of, of the message today. Divine, the obedience of divine friendship. It's the life we were called to, and it's the life Jesus lived. It's the one we're invited to when we come to faith in Jesus. To be restored to the friendship that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden is what Jesus came to give us. Did you know it? That's why we're talking about it. God created us as friends, never changed his mind, invited us in divine relationship, never changed the plan, and Jesus came to be the restorer. Not to patch it up, but to demolish what we messed up and recreate us again. To give us new life, to take us out of death into life, out of darkness into light. And it's not a 97% deal. It's a 100% deal. Jesus didn't shed royal blood to just get you kind of better. 
He didn't let his sinless body be broken just to kind of like ease the pain for a minute. You know that? He did it to bring you back into the reality of heaven, back into the reality of, of, of friendship with God. Hallelujah. He came to reclaim all that was lost. We couldn't do it for ourselves, so he did. Hallelujah. We celebrated this, right? We did communion. So how do we walk this out right, right? Jesus did the heavy lifting. <laughs> he destroyed the mess we made, gave us his perfection, makes us holy before God. If you're in faith in Jesus, that's where you are now. If, if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior, that's where you are now. Hallelujah. Uh, that work has been finished. But how do we do life well in light of what we've been given again? In, in light of the relationship we've been given with God again, how do we do this thing right we, I don't know about you, I want to live without shame or fear or hiddenness. And I want to have the approval and pleasure of our Heavenly Father. The easy part is this. It's not about how hard you work it. You're, God is already pleased with you if you're a faith in Jesus. You're already his child. He loves you. In fact, that's the basis of the whole deal. You're already loved. It's already been done. It's been proven. Wait, wait, wait. How do I know? God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's already happened. He demonstrated love. He said, I love you. Hear it. It's not but, if, when, I love you. Period. Demonstrated. Once for all. He can't say it louder. Okay? He can't say it louder. Just open your heart. Open your mind. Receive it. But we do all want to hear at the end of our days, well done, good and faithful servant. Anyone? Anyone? Well done, good and faithful servant. Okay. There will be a day when, after walking this life of faith, we stand before him face to face, and that's what we want to hear, right? No, it won't be like, hey, I didn't really love you that much. That's not going to be the message. It'll be, well done, good and faithful servant, or not. Doesn't mean you won't be in heaven. You can make it in heaven and not get that acclamation, but who wants that? You can hear God, good, well done, good and faithful service. That, that's the final exam on this deal. That, that's the, the final exam. And this is friendship with God. This is success in the kingdom. All right, in Matthew 25, I'm not going to read it, but you may have heard it. It's the parable of um, the... The servants, where the master is going to go away, and he gives to his servants uh, different numbers of bags of money. Um, one has five, one has two, one has one. And he says, I'm going away for a long time. I'm giving you my wealth, my resource, and when I come back, do well with it. Okay, so he comes back. You can look at it if you want, but Matthew 25, and um, he comes back, and so the one who had five comes back and like, Lord, you gave me five. I got five more. Here you go. He hands it right back over. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few. Come on in, you know, and I'm going to make you a leader over more. The one with two comes back and says, you gave me two. I brought back two more. Um, I was faithful with what you gave me. The Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few. Come on in to the fullness of your father's joy. Now, his response to both, please note, was the same. Well done, good and faithful servants. You were faithful with a few. And he didn't say, well, five, you got five more. You had two, you had two more. So you with five, you get more 
for your faithfulness. And you with the two, you get a little less because you know you only had two. No, the metric was the same. Were you faithful? Where were you faithful with what I gave you? And the one with the one came, and he said, oh, Lord, I know you're harsh. I had to hide it. I mean, I didn't want to lose it, and I didn't want to make sure I could give it back to you when you came back. And you know what happened there? Someone, someone deceived this one, and he's living in shame and fear. I thought God was a big old meanie. Oh, man, if I, if I don't do it well, if I don't do it right, he's going to be mad. That wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story is God's good. He gives good gifts. All he's asking us to do is be faithful. And when he comes, he'll be smiling. And, and what gets us messed up is when we believe the lie that we somehow have to perform to a certain level. We have to earn enough. We have to produce enough. And, and, what, and, and that God's going to be mad if we don't. Where does that come from? Lies, 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 lies. Same lies. Same lies. You got to hide. You can't trust God. He's unpredictable. He's going to crack out the whip. None of that's true. And that's what Jesus is pointing out in this parable. But that's not where I wanted to go. But the point is he gives us the key. He gives us the kingdom metric. He gives us the basis for how do I know I'm doing my life right in God? Are you being faithful? Are you being a good and faithful servant, a good and faithful steward of the life he's given you. And essentially that means, are you walking in the way he asked you to walk? It's not, are you producing enough? You get it? See, because we, we live in a, in a culture and a mindset where success looks like bigger, better, faster, stronger, more power, more impact, more influence, even in the church, in the kingdom. Well, you know, if, if you're bigger, you're doing it better. If it's more shiny, you're more successful. Well, they're successful over there, and we're just not that, we must not be that successful. You know what? It's not God's grading scale for the church or you as an individual. Well, so-and-so seems to have so many opportunities, and God's giving them more money. He must be blessing them. They must be more godly. No, no, and no. It's not the metric. It's not the number of dollars in your bank account. It's not the number of friends you have. It's not how many likes your Facebook posts get. It's not how high you achieve in your, your company, in your business. Now, none of those are bad. They're not bad things. They're, not, they're just not metrics of your success in God. You can have all the things. You can have lots of money, lots of influence, lots of power. At the end of the day, you can have lots of impact. But if you weren't actually being faithful, you weren't actually serving God, you weren't actually doing what he told you to do, you won't be called a good and faithful servant. You can bring a whole, you can bring 10 truckloads of your worldly successes before the throne of God and he'll throw it on the fire of heaven and it'll turn into nothing because it wasn't what he told you to do. Is this making sense? The kingdom metrics of success is faithfulness and obedience to God. This is a simple message, isn't it? Do, did you do what God asked you to do? Did you believe that he was good and walk accordingly? That's it. Write that down. Walk that out. If God is good, what does this tell us about him? We just have to believe that he's good. We just have to believe that what he says is right. We have to believe it's the best answer. And stop believing the lies. Well, don't you really want more of this? What is that? Don't you see the fruits pleasing to the eye? It's good for food. Why don't you chase this instead? Can't, you can have God and this too. Maybe you can but are you being a good and faithful servant? The metric of the kingdom is friendship with God and loving obedience. That's it. That's it. 
Why aren't we supposed to run the race to win? Aren't we supposed to achieve? Yes, you run the race to win like this, by obeying the voice of God. Because the prize at the end is not what you carry with you, it's him. Read the rest of the story. I gotta run the race to win. Yeah, where are you headed? What's the finish line? It's Jesus. Again, I'm not telling anyone don't achieve. Don't look for impact, money, wealth, wisdom, whatever. Just make sure you're running for him. And just make sure you're listening to him. The question would be, were you faithful? Did you follow me? Did you follow my way? Did you obey my spirit? My voice? And not just the big things. I should read some scripture here. John chapter 15. This will be my, my last one, I think. Do you know what life I'm describing to you? It's the life that Jesus lived. And he invites us into the same life. Remember what I said, the basis of it all is love. John chapter 15, if you want to turn there, or it's up here. Verses 9-11 says simply this. As the Father has loved me, loved, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. My goodness, that sounds like how God created the garden. Dwelling together in love, in connection, in unity. So Father's loved me, I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Wait, is Jesus telling me I'm loved? Yes. Is he telling me that if I know I'm loved, I'll do what he says? Yes. Is he saying that if I walk in his ways, I will experience complete joy? Yes. But wait, I feel like if I had more of this, I'd have more joy. No. If you have more of following, walking with Jesus and walking in his ways, you'll have more joy. Promise. Promise. Can Jesus tell a lie? Never. He can't even. He never will. Know that your love, walk in his ways, you'll experience more joy. I'm going somewhere, I promise. Walking in the way of God, walking in the way of his word, but also obeying the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day is life. It is the way for us. Do you think, and Jesus walked this out. He said, I'm remaining in the Father's love. I only do what God tells me to do. I only do what the Father is telling me to do. Now, do you think Jesus was walking in the ways of God, walking in the Father's commands because he was afraid of retribution or punishment for the Father? No. He did it because he knew he was loved. And he wanted to walk in that love. It was his joy to say, I you know, my will, your will, let's just do your thing, Father. It's the best thing there is. It's the best thing there is. That, that's it. He walked in the Father's ways because he knew the Father's love. He knew the deep abiding friendship they had walked in from eternity past. And he said, now I'm going to do it in a human body to show you you can too. 
That's so good. He was committed to continue to walk in obedience to his father in a human body like us. And the evidential byproduct, the evidence of it all, to walking in the ways of God and love and friendship with the father was complete joy. Jesus was probably the happiest person that ever walked the face of the planet, and I'm sure that he was. And you're being invited into that as well. He wants to make our ears so attentive to his voice. Now, it's, like I said, there's the big stuff in here, like, don't kill anyone. (laughs) Don't steal. Don't lust. Don't commit adultery. Those are pretty obvious, right? Let me tell you. Saying yes to all those will lead you to life. Saying no to any of them will invite destruction. They will. It's, it's, it's just the way, the way it works. Because God is good. He tells you the way of life. Amen? Now, but it's beyond that. It's in the day-to-day. Because some of you, are, you're here, you're, you have faith in Jesus, you, you've given your life to him, you believe in him. But you, if you were honest, if you weren't hiding, and we shine the light on you, you feel dull. You don't feel joyful. You feel disinterested. You feel like something's missing. It's just not working. You're like, I got Jesus, but I would, I, would, I would measure a guess that maybe you're not being so attentive to his voice. Maybe you're not obeying what he's whispering in your ear in the day-to-day. And not just the big stuff. Obviously, listen when he tells you, no, 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 don't lie about that. I know you want to lie. Don't lie about that. But the little stuff like, hey, you need to reach out to so-and-so. Maybe you should send a text to that person. Oh, hey, why don't you apologize to your spouse for what you just said? The little stuff, the day-to-day. Hey, I want to invite you on an adventure. Why don't you give money to this cause? Give money to that missionary. The day-to-day stuff. Hey, you know that app on your phone? Delete it. You get what I'm talking about? Hey, you should serve in this area. Oh, but I'm so busy already. Have so-and-so over to your house. Ah, they don't want to hang out with me. We talk ourselves out of God's voice on a daily basis about 8,500 times. And we wonder why we're not experiencing the fullness of life that God offers us. Let me tell you the best adventure you can go on is just ask the Lord to make you sensitive and make it your posture to obey. It's not about did I sin, did I not sin. So am I walking in this fellowship of friendship and obedience that I've been invited to? Am I experiencing what we sang today? Let heaven come in my heart. Let heaven come. Let heaven come in my mind. This is the greatest joy. Obeying the Holy Spirit, obeying the Father's commands is not restrictive. It's not. You were made for God's words. You are made for God's ways, and it's life-giving. In fact, Walking in the God's ways, walking in the Holy Spirit is liberating. Psalm 119 actually says, I walk in your commands because you set my heart free that way. I walk in the path of your commands because you set my heart free. This is the way to freedom. I'm not saying it's always easy to follow him. and I'm not saying it's always easy to follow his way, but I am saying it will lead you to life. You can choose your own way. God gave you free will. It's part of the design. You get to choose to say yes. You get to choose to say no. You can choose your own way, and God will still love you. Don't get me wrong. He will. But 
I don't think you'll experience the fullness of life you're made to experience. Let me share two, two little things before we wrap up. Um, maybe three. You, uh, I want to give you confidence, one, that you hear the voice of God. If you have faith in Jesus today, which I'm assuming most of you do, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of things you could be doing. Um, if you have faith in Jesus today, you've heard his voice. You may not have known that's what you heard, but that's how you came. You didn't come to him on your own. You didn't find him on your own. The voice of God, the Holy Spirit, drew you to him. <laughs> and if you're still walking with him today, it's because you've heard his voice. Okay? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So I just want to declare the truth. You hear God's voice. You, put your name in there, hear God's voice. I, I, I have been on the adventure of following God's voice my whole life. Can I share my story, the peanut butter story? You guys want to hear the peanut butter story? So when I first came to know Jesus, I used to go to a little church like this. It was a little Baptist church, but back in the day we did it different. The kids didn't get to go off and do fun things. We sat and listened to the sermon too. Uh, so I fell asleep on my grandma's shoulder a lot. Um, but sometimes I was listening, and one day I was listening, and the pastor said what I just said. He said, if you're, sheep, you're God's sheep, follow Jesus, you hear God's voice. And my little innocent, faith, childlike faith heart said, I hear God's voice. And I was excited. I can hear God's voice. And I went home that day. Um, I went to church with my grandma, so I'm back home with my, my parents. We didn't, we didn't go to church with fam. Uh, but so later that day, I'm hungry, and I love peanut butter, and I'm looking for peanut butter. And I looked all over the kitchen for that peanut butter, twice, in the fridge, in the cupboards, and all the things. And there was no peanut butter to be found. And suddenly I had a thought. It's probably the Holy Spirit teaching me. <laughs> he goes, I, I go, in my mind, I can hear the voice of God. God knows where the peanut butter is. I'm going to ask God to tell me where the peanut butter is. And I go, God, where's the peanut butter? And immediately in my mind is this idea, this thought, this voice. It wasn't like, hello. It wasn't like that. It was just an idea. It was like, it's in the cupboard right in front of you. And I start to argue with the voice. I go, no, I already looked in there. It's in the cupboard in front of you. And I open the cupboard in front of me, and guess what's there? Peanut butter. And I just want to tell you... <laughs> And I went and looked out the window because God's up in the sky after that. Like, you know, I was like, I heard your voice. And um, he said some really cool things after that as well that actually touched my heart and marked my life. But I share all that to say that I could never doubt from that moment that I could hear God's voice. And so you won't talk me out of this, and I'm trying to talk you into it. God, God's voice is for you, whether it's for peanut butter or direction for your life how to be a good wife, husband, parent, brother, sister, friend. His voice is ready and available to you. And it is the greatest adventure. It is the best thing. And it is the most joyful life. From experience, I'm telling you. Not that I got it right all the time. But it is fun. And it is an adventure. So my last two thoughts that I promised I was going to give you with that story. Because you just needed it. Um, one, you will never regret obeying the voice of God and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, let me, let, me, let me give you the caveat. Ultimately, you'll never regret it. Now, sometimes in the moment, it's challenging, it's hard, you may feel embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you will not regret following God. You will not regret following his voice. I promise you that. And the other part of that is, maybe a better motivation, I don't know. You will not benefit when you wait to obey. Nope. 
Like, oh, that's a hard one. Oh, I don't want to do that. Are you sure that's God? You gain nothing in the waiting. In fact, I would say you probably lose. You're made for friendship with God. Anytime we sidestep that for one reason or another, we're not living in the fullness of life we're made for. Got it? When we step into it by faith, hey, you'll get it wrong, but God will be with you. He'll correct you. And you know what? You'll be on an adventure, and it'll be fun. It'd be the life you were made for. Imagine that. The life you were made for, to live with God in the garden and friendship forever. You may even hear his footsteps. I don't know, but I know one thing. You will see him again face to face. And if you live the life he called you to live, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand and let's close. Rachel, could you come? We're going to get to this baptism in a minute, I promise. Um, But you needed to hear what the Lord was saying to you today, right? Let me declare some over you. Then we're going to pray. You have been loved by God. You are created for friendship with him. God loves you. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. And he created you to live in that love. The question is, will you believe it? Will you follow him? Will you follow his voice? Will you trust in his goodness? Will you trust in his ways? And will you make faithfulness in all things your aim? Make obedience to the voice of God your biggest yes. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you have made us for you and nothing less. You made us for abundant life, and it's the best thing. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room, God, that you would renew us. God, that you would remove from us the lies that we have believed about you, the lies we believed about your words, the lies we believed about what you think about us. God, and you replace everyone with your perfect love. God, right now, would you do that? God, would you make us more sensitive to you? And always postured with a big yes to you. Just right here with your eyes closed, I want to make an invitation first to anyone in the room who maybe you've never said yes to Jesus calling you to himself. You've never actually declared, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I submit my life completely to you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're in the room and that's you, you're like, I haven't, but I want to. Today is my day. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm inviting you into something beautiful, and I want to pray for you. Anyone? All right, well, then I'm going to assume that either you're not ready or we're all believers, okay? I'm speaking to the rest of you. I want to challenge you. I want to ask you a question. Have you been obeying the voice of the Spirit? Have you been obeying the still, small voice that He's given you, or have you been going your own way? with broken trust, broken faith, broken relationship with Jesus, joyless and dull. I want to tell you, the solution is simple. Right here, right now, you turn back. You say, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. Help me. Help me to walk with you. Help me to walk in obedience to you. It's that simple. It's called repentance. You turn from your own way and you turn to him. And some of you, if I've been sitting here, the Holy Spirit's been highlighting, touching parts of your heart and mind, ways in which you've been 
using the wrong metric. And that's just his gentle kindness and conviction inviting you to take a better way. And if that's you right here, right now, I want you to just turn your heart to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and to turn back to you or turn back to your way. I want to live in that childlike innocence, wonder, and faith. I want to walk in companionship with you. I want to obey your voice and your ways. I don't want to live in the fullness of life that you give. I say yes to you today. Just tell him that right now if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just see God renewing broken places in some of you. Places that have been hurt and wounded and devastated, not because you have earned it or worked for it, deserved it, but things that have been broken, the Lord is restoring by his power and in his love right now. He's restoring broken trust in your heart and mind in him. He's restoring a, a youthful, childlike wonder for the God who loves you. Just receive that work right now. I'm going to close um, singing part of this song. But just let the Holy Spirit continue to minister as we sing it together.